Welcome to the fifth episode. Mm. Wow, five. Yeah. Of the fourth season of Hyper Talks. Um, first, we need to applaud and cheer to Beppo Studios because their continued support. Yes. We love this. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Today hosting, it's Milin and Eric. Um, and we have two wonderful guests with us as well. And then behind the scenes, Mr. Nitin George and Miss Ku Mancha. Mm. Kicking ass as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about ownership. And uh, we were very creative, so we named it Ownership and a Playbook for Change. Yes. We like uh, sports metaphors. <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. Um, so it's been more than a year since Me Too became a global call to action. And it's transformed the conversation about gender, power, ownership, and who gets to sit at the table. And we wonder what's the next step. In 8th of March, March, if I don't uh, got it wrong, uh, 2019, the new generation's equality work was highlighted in a report of ownership um, differences between males and females from a think tank called Ownership, a think tank with the purpose of shifting societal power structures through ownership. So what will change with the increased female ownership and what are the risks and tricks of adding business value to the idea of saving the planet and solving social problems? Today we're hoping to find new insights and learning that will give us more tactics of change to our very own playbooks. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, I think you need to do our yeah. superhero introductions. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm putting mm. a lot of pressure on myself now, yes. I feel. Uh, but dear listeners, the guests of today's episode, the ultimate power couple, business developers, marketing stars, success stories, industry change makers. Award-winning super communicators, award-winning leaders, award-winning talents, award-winning entrepreneurs, award-winning challengers, founders, world-class CEOs, planet-saving, power-shifting, game-changers, <laughs> Linda Vaccine and Hualot Tsundoko. <laughs> Bam! Oh my God. Well, that one was better when I introduced you at parties, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss anything? No, no, you got well, it all right. Well, our company names. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can tell. Yeah. Charlotte's business is called Planeton, mm. and my business is called Matching ID. Mm. Yes. And then you unite in ownership. Right? Mm. Yes. Mm. And in friendship. And friendship. And in friendship. Oh, and that's life. nice. Yeah. <laughs> very, very welcome. Thank you. This. And we just want to propose uh, a chicken who makes you laugh at work. Uh, well, I would say my co-founder, Ellen Hammerberg, uh, because uh, she she always sends me these bitter uh, like links or memes or whatever when we have really, really tough days. Mm. So we can always laugh in between, even if, if, when it's really, really <laughs> shitty. <laughs> well, since I'm a student, um, I don't necessarily have a work, but I have a startup as well. But it's only me and another guy, so <laughs> I will have to say him, but I won't give him that pleasure. Um, so back, back to school. And uh, I'm, I'm actually going to go love by a little bit on the Hypertox crew. Um, all of them, uh, Nitin, Koo and Lin, uh, they make me laugh. And uh, we have uh, was uh, or whatever that's called in uh, in English. Um, Pond? He says when I don't you know. walk in the desert of learnings, and you have this group that really makes me laugh. Yeah, check it. 
I'll have to go with Mike. He's one of my partners in Planeton. And um, <clears throat> no, dealing with such serious issues as saving the planet mm. on a daily basis, it, it becomes quite like, well, actually serious. So um, it, just being around Mike every day, uh, it being very silly and, and playful and it just making like a lot of inappropriate jokes, mm. uh, we find it endurable <laughs> to to be in that so that's that's the person i think mm-hmm. makes me most laugh yeah mm-hmm. and and linda when we work together in, in yeah, it felt ownership. so obvious to say charlotte but she's like the funniest <laughs> person i know so <laughs> well i said lynn so yeah <laughs> <laughs> am i just gonna plus one on yours i think so i'm, I'm making this simple for myself plus one on eric's <laughs> Check in. Cool. Cool. And but uh, talking about you, the two of you, uh, how did you meet? Well, uh, the story is so suitable for this podcast. Mm. What did you do when we met, Charlotte? I think it was on my way to <clears throat> to go into the role of marketing director at Hyper Island. Mm-hmm. I was the marketing coordinator and uh, and I was about to go into this uh, bigger role and uh, we worked with a PR agency uh, called Young Relations and uh, it was actually my former boss and the marketing director then and the uh, the client person at Young they were friends so they had a really good relationship and then I came in and was like oh now I'm going to work with PR from Hyper Island <laughs> and I had never worked with PR so I didn't know how it worked um, and then Linda uh, started working at, at Jung and uh, it actually taught me a lot mm. about what it means to um, to be buying these kind of services and and how do we maximize the work together and lots of other things so it was for me being new at my role that was a great mm. person to have holding my hand because she, if if there's one person who knows PR, it's Linda. Um, and she helped me with that. But also another thing that she helped me with was that understanding like, okay, working with agencies as a buyer um, from a marketing uh, mm. team, for example, it's uh, it's also getting the support from the agency to be uh, uh, successful in implementing things internally. So it's not only getting the results out there mm. uh, in the public, but also getting the results that you need uh, in internally in the company. So that was a great thing, and then that was the kickoff of our friendship. Yeah, uh, we both uh, had a. Uh, well, semi-professional DJ careers on the side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm skipping my first question. Let's go so uh, we, we found well, each my, other in that. Yeah, mine was called Hipsters oh. uh, because I had a hipster DJ boyfriend. Oh, wow. So I was playing 90s hits. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to add it's uh, edited in some of the tunes. Yeah. Can we find that somewhere? Uh, well, you can find pictures for sure. <laughs> yeah. Playlists. Of, 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 We're not going to be needing to take pictures What, what after was the, the name show? of your duo? Uh, Hotel Barbara. Yeah. Mm. So we had a more of a sensual vibe. Mm. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but not really. So we also played hits. So yeah. that was what united us. Yeah. And none of us were any of those kind of like the 
the technical focused mm. DJs. But it was more like next song, next song. <laughs> next. So that was the level. But we had fun on the dance floor mm. with both the um, dance floor starters. So yeah. that was part of the act. Oh, nice. Mm. And then once again, you sit uh, here with headphones then in a uh, sound production uh, in, in the yeah. hyper Feeling bubble. like home. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously feeling rusty since I had, wore, wore completely inappropriate earrings to, to the headphones. So it, it, this was 10 years ago or so, right? Yeah, and basically we've been working together and being very, very close friends since. And it's very unusual, mm-hmm. uh, I think, for, for, for a relationship to be everything at once. And I really recommend it if you can pull it off. Mm. Because when you have, you have so little time when you do as much as we do, one wanting to change the world all the mm. time. So if you can do it together with your best friend, it's it mm. it gives you a lot of more time together with them. Yeah, it's, it sounds mm. like you nailed it with finding mentorship, uh, love and compassion in the same place. Mm. Um, yeah, that's the ideal, ideal friend. I'm jealous. Yeah, same. We work, we're working on it. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but let's get into ownership a little bit. Uh, because it's... <laughs> I mean, I read the report when it came out, and it triggered me. Of course, uh, I'm on the I'm I'm on the train, uh, so to speak. But let's uh, explain to our listeners a little bit what is ownership and uh, what's some good example of what ownership does. Well, what, what was it that triggered you? I think for me, it's about uh, being a woman um, and the differences or. Uh, that I've met through my careers with sports, uh, knowing what the men's team got and what I didn't get, um, but also uh, being in a situation when asking for things and feeling that it was not okay to ask for it or feeling insecure about asking for my rights or equal rights, um, which I still think influences me as a woman. Even though I'm used to taking space, it's a different when you ask for something. That's regard to like, um, you have to give me something. Mm. Um, so and if you own, mm. you only need to ask yourself. <laughs> uh, so uh, ownership stands for power shift through ownership. Mm. Uh, so we are a think tank that is very focused specifically on increasing uh, the percentage of female ownership. Mm. And we want to make a mark, see a concrete difference in the span of our lifetime. That's what triggered me. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, I I need this. This But the reason we Mm. founded um, ownership was very similar from what you describe. Mm. um, For me personally, and and I know Linda has a a similar experience as well, was it uh, to go into the role of the CEO of Hyper Island. So uh, going into that was the eye-opener for me, been working with... Uh, uh, for as long as I can remember being an active feminist and working with, um, you know, equal pay Mm. and more women to leadership positions and and being very active uh, uh, and, you know, strong and like I need to take the room and others need to to be enabled to take the room and things like that. Um, But coming into the ultimate a sort of power position at a company, which happened to be a, a hyper island, um, that was an opener for me in in you know who who actually have the mandate and the responsibility 
for Hyper Island's future. Mm. Because I had been working so many years with, you know, uh, establishing what are the core values for Hyper Island? What, are, what is the manifesto for Hyper Island? What you, are wearing, uh, what you have on your, your computer? Mm. Like all of those messages was something that I had been working with. And also recruiting lots of people, you know, driving change and driving business. And then seeing that, okay, but... The, <laughs> the actual decision maker for Hyper Island is the main owners. And the main owners uh, uh, was uh, partially uh, men. Mm. And that was just realizing that, okay, we are so many women here working um, and putting lots of our energy into a job we love, but a workplace that is owned by men. And it was nothing wrong with the men. They were actually great and we had a great collaboration. But that was just, for me, it was something that I knew, mm. but I hadn't felt it before. So it was some, like, like I had ignored it. And mm. then I opened my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, I started seeing a lot of other things. Like, for example, I started working in boards. So in other company boards and in Every room I stepped into, it was the same. So it could be uh, equal a representation of men and women in the room because lots of companies feel that's important. Mm. Um, but the men in the room were owners and the women in the room, they were all just, you know, advisors, paid advisors like myself. So I get a, I get a, 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 a fee for, for working in this board, but I don't own anything in the company so that was also like you know the idea of gender equal power balance mm. but actually it's not at all mm. so this was the first steps and then uh, we started just having lots of conversations with each other yes uh, because that. also we had uh, very similar careers. Uh, I became a CEO uh, a few years before Charlotte, and then we started working on boards approximately the same time. So we, we talked about this all the time. <clears throat> yeah, it was just as you said. It was when you saw it, you couldn't unsee it, and, when, uh, and you had to start sharing it with other women because we see women all the time just plunging in their energy and talent into companies owned by men. And this raised the question for us, who, who owns uh, Sweden, really? Yeah. So we started digging into, uh, digging into that because some, someone uh, obviously made some kind of you know, a, a report on who owns Sweden. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. Are you serious? Never. No one ever. Yeah. Oh, no was, one ever did that. 2018, 19. Yeah, yeah. and that 18, was that was so we weird when this when this hit the the social media and everything. You see these not so fun facts mm. um, uh, entering the uh, the uh, this, uh, yeah uh, every platform in itself. That, but the these numbers, uh, I mean, there we we are a great country and we where we keep track of our numbers. I mean, we're a lot of institutions and so on. We always in love with tax and so on, so on, and so on. But these numbers, hmm. never. No, no. and the reaction from <clears throat> Swedish journalists was actually kind of embarrassment, uh, gratefulness, but also embarrassment because it's like, why haven't we covered this? Why haven't we asked these hmm. questions before? Uh, so it's like um, a super obvious, everyone knows it, that 
someone is the owner of everything, mm. but it's a blind spot. In our conversation, uh, in our uh, media uh, coverage and everything. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but on Women's Day, uh, ownership owned Swedish media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's one aspect and very important, I think, to, to actually show the, the, the data and the facts mm. as a starting point. Because when you have the facts on the table, that's mm. when you can start making change happen, change needed change. Um, but the, the thing that has been the most emotional journey for me the past year is all the conversations with the uh, women and men uh, we've had around, uh, well, mainly in Sweden, um, but so many different uh, uh, stories mm. about uh, how ownership has uh, had a, an impact or not on on your own life so our purpose or our mission is really about uh, making more people feel the power and the ownership of their own life decisions because um, the stories that we've uh, heard is everything from uh, I I can't uh, I want to divorce my husband but I can't because I can't afford it because I haven't uh, put my money into to any any use and in all social <clears throat> classes because even if you're very privileged you feel like you're in a golden cage mm. Mm. Uh, so this is like for women in all social uh, classes and professional women like um, one of my friends who was a, a, a CEO of a large uh, a company she uh, uh, shared with me that uh, after had left that position she realized that in that when she became the CEO, she was so um, filled with, you know, the idea of, oh, now I am in this position, I can make all this change happen, that she didn't even ask for equity. And the man uh, before her and the man after her did, and they became part owners of the company. Mm. So it wasn't that it was unreachable for her. She just had to ask, but she didn't think about asking. Mm. So this is not something, like we are not speaking about the Me Too mm. um, uh, uh, introduction that mm. you made. We are not like um, a reaction to, uh, to uh, the Me Too, but we are a starting point of making a change by acting on opportunities. So this is uh, an opportunity for women to step into owning their own life mm. decisions uh, in a much bigger way. Um, and we have a global uh, mission. So we are, we are not uh, leaving it with Sweden. Mm. We are going out in, in the world. Mm. Or, be ready. Or, to be, or to be honest... Uh, we started with Sweden, uh, but when we realized the power in the movement we started and got reactions from other countries, uh, it was like, okay, this needs to be bigger. So now we have a vision for, for 2030 to be able to have a relevant discussion on, on the question who owns the world. Hmm. Maybe we can dig into that. Like, you have a vision. What's the process? Like, what's the next? So you release the report. You're out there as a think tank. You're also there as a company with ownership, if I understand it correctly. No. No, okay. So it's the think tank. And then uh, you're collecting all these uh, great women. If you go into your webpage, you get very influenced <laughs> right away, uh, listening to their stories. Um, 
that's building a network and spreading the word. Um, um, so the women that you can find uh, on on the webpage, where you can also find the report in English, mm. uh, by the way, is not a network. So it's a working group. Okay. Uh, so that's how we started everything. Mm. Like, what competences do we need to make this power shift? Uh, we need lawyers. We need academic researchers. We need opinion um, expertise and so on. So we have gathered uh, expertise that we need to make this change. So every every one of these 20 women that we are now are working um, and putting in some quite heavy hours uh, to do the change. Um, and as Charlotte said, we started with we want to be uh, academically based, like what really makes a difference. There is a lot of female networks. We don't need another one of those. Uh, so we're doing organization and we're making priorities based on research what works. Uh, what has the greatest impact. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, right now uh, we're looking at uh, ownership invest, like how we can uh, invest women's money into women's ideas uh, and how to build a new structure around that. Uh, we're looking at an idea that's called shop shift. That's uh, looking at moving consumer uh, spending uh, into owner-less led companies. So even if uh, you don't want to own yourself uh, or take a huge risk, you can still spend your consumer money uh, on owner-less companies. Mm. So you can still support the ownership. Um, we are continuing with our uh, that we call the mind shift through through uh, partly a changing language. We are introducing the Swedish word agarinna again. Mm. It's oneress in English, so it's words that are out there but they are not used anymore. Um, so um, and doing all kinds of um, conversations, as you said, Charlotte, mm. around. Uh, but I think that 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 is interesting in itself because uh, on on paper it would be um, it's very easy to understand what ownership is about. It's about uh, uh, getting more uh, getting equal rights in the actual ownership, the ownership of um, uh, cars, houses, companies, whatever. Yeah. Uh, in that sense, um, but the, the awareness of that it, it something else needs to happen as well. The mind shift itself. We had a project where we uh, at Hyper we connected with uh, FATA uh, to change from a consent law to consent culture in mm-hmm. itself. So the words agarina was actually something that struck me uh, when I read the report itself. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, um, I've never, I don't think I've used this word no. before. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other words that you come to mind? That in, um, that, what, what, what do you do more there in that sense? And the Back Us uh, page, for instance, uh, lets, you, lets us know how to contribute to it with you with uh, money and so on, with expertise. Um, but how do I as a student or how do other creative professionals uh, get involved in uh, ownership in that sense? Well, first to your question on yeah. the words. Yeah. Um, uh, one other word that uh, we have, I don't know if we have established it. I've never heard it before, but um, it's uh, risktagerska. Mm. So it's like risk takeress mm. <laughs> in English. And uh, the reason why we have established and are establishing that is um, because of uh, research done on risk taking mm. and uh, how men and women are taking risks in different ways. Mm. 
And our researcher in the work group, Emma Hickenstein, she provided us with um, with the science on on uh, risk and uh, uh, role modeling. Mm. So um, for uh, other for women to uh, want and and dare to take more. Uh, risks they need to see a, a role model another risk takeress uh, mm. who has taken risk in a similar way that you want to mm. so if you can see that uh, then you're more willing to and daring to do it yourself so that's why we are doing in on our instagram for example highlighting every week that this week's risk takeress mm. um to to show a diverse uh, a diversity of of risk takers so that many different women that follow us can uh, identify themselves in in these women um so and that is also something that is it's a it's a social media action mm. but it's based from from research and mm. facts so mm. i think that was to your point yeah. linda about how mm. we work it's always in not like trying to just do things for fun or clutchy, you know, oh, now we're talking about risk takers. Mm. It's about doing the things that we know have great impact. Mm. Mm. Uh, and that's also the, the feedback that we get is that women are inspired by ownership and actually taking their own new actions. So doing that, like, oh, I, I, was, I was thinking about should I leave my my job and apply for a new one or should I leave my job and start my own company? And so many women who have come up to me and said that, you know, thanks to you, I am now starting it. Mm. I am daring to do that. Mm. And that may be a small, small step for humanity, mm. but a big step for one person's life to mm. do that. And we know that because we've both done that. Yes, um, and we get those stories every week mm. to us and <clears throat> it's also you ask what you can do mm. uh, and and you and all all uh, everyone that listened to this uh, it's a very very good point to because why do women take less mm. risk it's because we're raised and encouraged and punished differently mm. for taking risk mm. so we're not raised to take risk and we're not encouraged when we're grown up uh, and we're punished if we do it. So uh, what you can do is to, in every conversation you have with people around you, encourage risk, right? And take the, take the drama out of it. It's like you can always go back to a regular job if, if everything goes to shit, right? Uh, so, and like, for instance, you can start having business showers, not mm. only baby showers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like changing the norms in your community, right? Mm. Uh, to celebrate uh, women uh, taking risks. And I know you are already practicing on this because Hyper Island so much about unlearning mm. and relearning mm. yeah. in new ways. And that is uh, embracing failure mm. as part of the process, for example. Mm. And this is about like taking risk is actually about calculating also, you know, that you might fail. Mm. Um, and that's what we need to encourage more girls to do. Mm. And it's it's also so interesting, I think, that it's all, it's all, all about the socialization of us when we grow up. Um, you can see that when it's and it's small studies, but in in these studies you can see that in in when it comes to in competitiveness uh, in a, a, a patriarchy mm. uh, that we live in, um, uh, women 
uh, are not uh, so inclined to compete as men are. So men are more competitive. Uh, competitive. But in uh, India and Pakistan, uh, in 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 small uh, areas of of that, that where there's a, a matriarchy. So there, there is a few around the world that are villages that are uh, are matriarchs. Um, in those, you can see that there's no difference in competitiveness. So boys and girls mm. uh, are equally inclined to to uh, compete. So it is a lot about the socialization of of how we grow up and and what we do. Mm. And that's kind of interesting because I I think I read either was a comment from one of the women in your work group uh, or if it was in a report, but um, she had mentioned that women used to stay at home taking care of a lot of the family and doing all that hard work to keep everything together. And so I'm, I'm curious, like now moving into ownership, if women do that, what are, what are some of the gains? Because is social responsibility could be connected to owning, of course, but what are, I mean, we haven't seen the effects yet, but if women start owning and we have this caregiver and we often take more social responsibility, like leading question, What are the good things that we're aiming for? Well, what do you think? Well, oh no! As you said, leading question. Um, we can't know, uh, but we think that if women owned a larger percentage of the world, we would have more empathic systems and structures. Mm-hmm. Yes. And frankly, most uh, systems that we are in are built by men for men mm-hmm. um, so uh, uh, this is also something that we are exploring now and we don't have any solutions but we are def- it's definitely part of our everyday work with ownership to uh, identify where can we change a system and where do we need to build a new one so i can see this happening in investor communities in entrepreneur communities that women um, and the men that feel more included in in those uh, communities build uh, uh, parallel systems yeah. so we have been uh, introduced to um a fem invest community for example where uh, women share so much about the the deal flow yeah. uh, on opportunities to invest um the board positions out there and like recommending so much and including and there's so much um uh, uh, community feeling even though Everyone is really competitors, but uh, are not focused on that, but don't focus on like, how can we work together to make good things happen? Yeah, and that is such a great example because <clears throat> I've met a lot of investors with my company, Matching ID, mm. um, and the traditional ones say, well, I can't find female entrepreneurs, female mm. founders. It's impossible talking to one uh, that started a think tank for female ownership. Mm. You can ask me if you want, but yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, but then um, the investor in our work group, uh, Louise, she has like a super, super rich deal flow of female entrepreneurs. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of cool actually to see those parallel systems taking form, yeah. Super interesting. And I think this is, we're getting into uh, maybe what you're doing besides uh, ownership mm. as well, because uh, you are saving the world with your companies. You mm. are well, two of these women that, that brought yeah. that social responsibility. No, but I'm making people more 
happy. I think Charlotte's but saving the world. But you're solving a social problem. <laughs> it's, it's a social problem as okay. well. Okay, well, yeah. I want to hear your angle on that. <laughs> no, but for me, uh, and now you need to correct me, yeah, uh, sure. matching ID, but for me, it's it's uh, solving an issue that's out there because when you apply for a job, uh, I mean, our biases, whoever is there on HR recruiting, are going to influence that. Yes. Uh, but using technology and, and what you suggest with uh, being anonymous in a way yeah. and also speaking about your passions and your dreams and hopes like mm. recruiting for the future and not necessarily what you have done in the past in the same sense um, I think that opens up on a market for people um, that has less bias biases mm. wow can I hire you sure <laughs> 2022 <laughs> also looking for internship <laughs> no but it's uh, for me it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction Because I think it's a complicated process. Yes. Um, and the, the anonymity, taking away bias, uh, is one large, very concrete part of it. Uh, but the even bigger thing um, I want to achieve or we want to achieve with Matching ID is uh, for people to do what they should do. Uh, our vision is Monday is a good day. Um, to fall into place. Uh, because we, through our algorithm, you can match on future dreams and potential and what you want to do and how the recruitment market works today. It's what you can and what you have done. Uh, so it's, it's nothing about where you're striving. Uh, and it, it treats people as linear mm. and people are not linear. No. <laughs> And let's, not anymore. No, not anymore. <laughs> let's bring in uh, Charlotte, like Planethon, mm-hmm. plant-centric design, mm-hmm. putting the planet first. I mean, that for us, I've always had this, like, in our, all our projects at Hyper, I'm like, coming into the group, I was like, can we, like, find an angle where we save the world, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have been looking for those angles instead yeah. of starting with what are the root problems mm-hmm. and how can we then create solutions uh, to the right problems. That is such a good bridge for me because Planeton is uh, a, is sometimes a quite a complex to explain, but this makes it easier. Um, so, uh, We have a whole business community now that is bubbling with like green, green and social change as part of of uh, the business. Um, and uh, I think so many companies want to um, they want to look like they're doing great things, and then some companies want to. Uh, uh, start doing great things and we have startups who are trying to tackle tackle mm. it and we have large corporations trying to make a transformation and something transformations are super tough when you're in a in a in a value chain that is extremely bad for the planet which mm. many in in the textile industry the finance industry the food system um, industry are so um, so starting with asking what is the actual problem that we need to solve um, is something that the science community 
can actually give us really good answers to. Mm. And uh, this is complex uh, uh, social uh, ecological science. And for uh, business leaders and entrepreneurs, we don't really have, you know, the time to dig into uh, science. So it often ends up with us just fixing the wrong problem (laughs) because Mm. we don't have uh, the link between the science community and the scientific insights and the business communities the ones who actually do things. Um, so what we are trying to do with Planeton is to bridge that uh, those two communities. So we're building a, um, a platform to, to uh, make scientific insights uh, easy to navigate and easy to act on, and then uh, applied science processes, uh, putting the planet first in planet-centric business design. Um, so we work with both leadership and innovation as both of those are part of actually designing something new. Mm. A very a tangible example of something um, is a Karma. Have you heard of that startup? Yes. Yeah. So Karma is a fantastic example of solving a, a really big problem in a broken system. So they are finding an opportunity now that we are we are throwing away so much food and they are helping us not throwing away, uh, away so much food. But the problem, the real problem is really about our behavior, that we are throwing away food. And it's also about the problem of how we are producing food. So if we would produce food and consume food in a different way, karma would not be needed. And they say that themselves. So they are acting now, but hopefully short term. And then in the long run, we can change Consumer behaviors um, and and uh, policymakers will help the business community to change how we how we create solutions. It reminds me of I listened into Greta Thunberg's speech the other week, and she talked about which of all speeches? <laughs> I don't know the one where she hanged out with Arnold. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But uh, and she talked about uh, people not getting the knowledge. Like it's hard for us as a regular person to understand the science, uh, yeah. and it's the disconnection there between and the yeah. politicians and the leaders are the ones to explain it to us so that we can change our behavior if mm. we understood it, we would. Yeah. And I think hearing you talk about businesses like knowing the science is out there but not necessarily understanding it or know how to apply it but like connecting that bridge giving them that opportunity Mm. uh, or whether it's tech that's like creating all of this Um, yeah very inspiring Yeah, this is this is for for me. This is the most impressive part by reading up about uh, you two of you, but also what you do. The spectrum mm. of it. Uh, either it's uh, some kind of life hack that removes and uh, reduce, uh, uh, redo an industry. Uh, you haven't removed the uh, if oh, there's a problem with our uh, with the norm created, not norm critical thinking. So on. well, let's uh, remove the norms in that sense. Um, and that's a yeah beautiful life hack. Removing that filter. I refer a lot to filters uh, when it comes to what I've been more aware of. Uh, Uh, through hyper or if it's uh, uh, in another spectrum uh, looking at okay we need to rebuild this bridge we need to make the starting point somewhere else uh, but it oh wow it's it's oh, it was starting here from the first we, we didn't see it we didn't use it in that mm. sense we didn't step up from from here mm. I think, and, yeah. and also connecting all of our, our both our businesses and ownership is uh, daring to take take on really really complex matters mm but also making them just as Greta Thunberg does really simple to understand and <clears throat> and like 
fun. Mm, fun to use. Mm. And fun to be around. Mm. Like, for instance, Onishift has this leopard pattern that mm. we use everywhere. Mm. It makes it like, oh, yeah. it's fun. And if you look at <clears throat> Planeton's uh, uh, d- graphic design, for mm. instance, it's also like, it's not this, ooh, the world is going to end in fire and flames. It's like uh, a, a call to action mm. to run this planet on the yeah. marathon and for the planet together let's do this yeah, yeah. yeah so it's uh, i think that's uh, uh, like pragmatic mm. fun um, mm. angle on really complex matters but can I and get, i just yeah. i just need to brag yeah, yeah. do it do we it. are going to be on the same stage as greta thunberg in june hey, hey, hey. yes i know really <laughs> oh, that was been like wait okay i'm gonna put this out there <laughs> i've been nagging yeah. about this since we started hyper talks i was like if there's a way we can get ourselves into brilliant minds, just like show up and hear all these amazing people. Because it's like Greta, it's like Obama, it's like, I don't even know where to start. It's, it's like you guys. Ownership. It's like ownership. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh. That's amazing. We're um, actually going to do a, a, a quite big a manifestation mm. of female ownership mm. uh, on Brilliant Minds. So that that is why we are there. And then a bonus is that Obama and Greta will be there. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hanging I don't out. care about those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, you, you, I think what you talked about is what you talked about earlier as well. Like uh, we need to encourage the risk, right? And yeah. how can we do that? We can make the the approach a little bit still light and still show the good side of uh, be owned in something uh, whether that is through graphic design or that is the communication tool you can use now to begin with I think that is brilliant but other than um, uh, than that uh, um, what would what would you say that you've learned throughout the, these missions uh, what are your biggest insights so far for the new owners that are listening to this uh, uh, podcast that we have learned from ownership or yeah. ownership <laughs> and, and, and owning owning, yeah. Yeah. owning. owning yourself being uh, if yeah yeah, you go first. Yeah, well, for me, it's it's uh, it's about uh, that purpose feeds purpose. Mm. For purpose feeds more purpose. Yeah. So I get more and more convinced about that if I'm trying to focus on the things that I think is really important, mm. then uh, the money. Uh, and the money value will come. Mm. That's something that it, it's a it's a it's a complete flip from how we have created businesses in in the past and still are. That you're like so focused on. Okay, how can I make money? And then you try to find a problem to solve. But if you're focused on, you know, I I think this this is something that I feel every day and it hurts and I want to change it. Or this is something that I can see is a massive problem uh, that is going to hurt humanity. How can I be part of the solution? Mm. And then figure out, like, so how... How can I make a tangible thing out of this? Mm. Uh, and starting with that, again, with like the root to it becomes the purpose. And for me, that has been like first uh, first with a Planeton and then with ownership. And, and uh, now I feel ready more and more like train the muscle mm. to take on purposes that are important my, throughout my whole life. I don't know which ones yet, but uh, uh, definitely so. I think it's important to share also um, the other side of taking risk because it's 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 so easy for all role models uh, on Instagram, on podcasts and everything. Like everything is fantastic and we're so cool and we're so brave and always happy and good looking and everything. Uh, but so I've also learned that it's very, very tough to take risk mm. and it's painful 
and uh, in, in, in parts of the process. But also there's a fantastic community if you want to, uh, to share risk and to share the, the pain and the, um, and the insecureness when you have it, uh, if you want to. So like, my advice is to, to, to gang up with, with, with other women or other people uh, that are in the same situation that you can like share your uh, worries with when you mm. have them because if you take risk and if you decide to own more it will also be tough mm. um, but I also think that is one of the insights that if women own more I think women and men will have better relationship mm. because I think men have felt a lot of carrying the burden uh, and the responsibility for, for, for that part of life. Uh, and if we understand each other better, men stay uh, at home with kids more and women mm. own and take the utmost responsibility more. I think we will understand each other better. And I think, it can, do I have time to build on that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Because there's one thing, and I just realized it now that, you know, you're probably also are learning about that, like going from, you know, ego system to ecosystem. And, think, and I'm thinking about that in, in risk. For me, it has been um, a way of not feeling the, the, the risks and the, the pressure of risk taking so much by uh, going into creating ownership as a collective uh, uh, of people working where no one is like the uh, the the big star of ownership because we are a collective of workers yeah. <laughs> working on this issue and when we are so many then i then i can be a small part of something huge instead of being the main person of something that will never grow and it's the same with planeton i only like my my four partners they are all leaders mm. and that makes the discussions tough but the impact and the potential of the impact is huge. So like if you're standing in in should I go off on my own and like it, it's important for me to be the center of attention, then yeah, you can create something for you and for a small group of other people. But if you want to be part of something big, then dare to go with other big people. That's my my. Uh, and that was advice. one of the questions we had in yeah. here because it's very evident looking at both of your company's web pages that you bring a lot of people with you. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not only about you or anything. It's very the collective. It's very much there mm. expressed. Uh, we we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, do we have like a do you, do you need some advice, Eric? Do we yeah. want to yeah. do this? I think I think we can. We can discussed we do this that? yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's super nice because Eric is a young guy. He's very yeah. attractive. He gets an easy way in Thank investment. You. No. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the statistics. Some favorite you exactly. <laughs> I'm blushing now. So yeah. like it's not a video. Um, no, but uh, to wrap it up, I mm. think we can do um, as a checkout. We can mm. do uh, some kind of short uh, coaching. Yeah. Because mm. um, um, I'm a I'm a guy, I'm a man, um, and if you could give me some short advice, and then you could give maybe Lin some short advice, and we can shake out of that. Because that is also to our listeners. Um, like if you were my mentor, uh, going out with this, having your expertise and experience, uh, what advice would you give me? My advice to you is uh, to encourage women around you to to jump and to take risk, mm. and also be there when it's tough. Mm. Mm. Tough one, because I, I think, okay, my advice to you is don't make yourself smaller mm. uh, uh, 
but be very much aware of uh, the privilege you have mm. as a white uh, man. Mm. So be aware of that. Don't feel ashamed about it. Uh, be strong in mm. who you are and don't make yourself smaller so that other people can make themselves bigger. But be um, be with others with empathy um, because we all come in with uh, uh, different uh, opportunities depending mm. on how we look and who we are. And you are on top of the mm. food chain, so you need to be uh, very nice <laughs> <laughs> in, in the world to Kind. the rest of the Kind and generous. Yeah. He's working I'll well do that. that. I'll yeah. do that. He's doing good. And you you other guys who hear it as well. <laughs> thank you so, so yeah, much. Thank you, thank Beppos. You. Thank you, our power couple. Thank you, Lynn. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you. Joe Own. The här programmet görs på Beppo. 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 Beppo.